Hello, it's Jack Tudor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Julia, or Julia Svensson, a Swedish producer based in London who makes music as Aircode. And the new Aircode record, Surface Tension, is out now on Gin and Platonic. Julia's music is really compelling. There's references in there to kind of club adjacent genres. You've got bits of drum and bass, bits of dub in there, but they've been warped in service of something that's often much stranger, more spacious, more shadowy. We talk in this discussion about Julia's connection to computer game music. And there are definitely points on this new record surface tension where you feel like a character kind of stuck in the corridors of a computer game, continually rounding back to where you started, unable to progress to the next bit due to some kind of circuitry glitch. And I love the description that Julia gives in the intro chat of how she approaches playing live at the moment. It's really vivid. Uh, And this whole discussion was great. I was so glad to have Julia on the podcast. She picked really, really interesting records and we had a good chat about them. Thoroughly recommend you check out Surface Tension 2. So if you're enjoying Crucial Listening, please consider donating to the show one-off or monthly over at ko-fi.com forward slash Crucial Listening. I'll put a link in the show notes too just helps keep the show afloat and if you're just listening and enjoying the podcast that's great too thank you so much i really hope you enjoy this discussion with julia aka Aircode, on crucial listening Julia, welcome to Crucial Listening. Hello. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. So you're here to talk about three important albums that you've picked for the show. Before we get to those, I want to talk about your new record, Surface Tension, which has come out on Genome Platonic just recently. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to start by asking about your process. I mean, I read an interview on AQMB last year mm-hmm. you mentioned about creating very intuitively and that you don't have a plan going in so i wonder if that held true as well for this record too yeah it very much does like i never really have a plan of what kind of song i want to make or what kind of track i want to make so a lot of time uh it ends up being like a really chaotic track or it is like a very scaled back one um it's just i just start in this press random things until it feels good and then that's kind of the direction I end up going in Mm. Um, every time I try to make music that is like okay I'm going to make a techno track which I never do in that way but uh, (laughs) if I'm trying to make a specific genre a specific styled music or even 
specific feeling of the music it's never really feels authentic so mm. um i think like the intuitive kind of process has really worked out in that way mm. i mean i find this to be like have a very different atmosphere to say something like grounded and mm-hmm. i'm trying to wrestle with like put my finger on what that is at least to my ears There's something about the beats that feel a bit more cryptic i don't know that i don't know if that was right <laughs> but then the melodies feel know. almost like less um forthcoming there's like a real well yeah tension in there and like how those elements are kind of coming forward so i wondered mm. if looking back like whether it felt different making this record in any way compared to the last one was there any way that the process despite the absence of plan kind of ended up deviating from how you've done things before um i think it's mainly about the situation during which it was created uh so grounder was made during lockdown mainly uh, and then mm. kind of after that as well um but doing that was i felt very like calm and had so much time and it was i don't know maybe that really affected the way while well, like this record has been kind of creating all the like squeezing bits of time that i've had free mm. um because i work full time and all of that so and it's quite a chaotic place to live in london so um and i require quite a lot of downtime in order to be able to really focus so mm. i think therefore that like this record's kind of come out differently because it's been made of such a long period of time in terms of um like each bit because i don't have I haven't had as much time, um, and so other, other than that, I don't know. I think yeah, it's mainly just the way I've been feeling that probably comes out in that way, mm. uh, rather than like a different kind of approach to it. Because um, yeah, it's all been done kind of similarly. Maybe I've di- li- listened to different kinds of music or things like that that's in- like also inspired it. Yeah, um, but yeah, maybe that's why the kind of like the tension of like the time pressure and more stress is is there <laughs> right right yeah um you mentioned that you're fitting creating music in the margins between mm-hmm. work and you know everything else you've got going on I mean, when do those sessions tend to fall are you someone who works late into the night or yeah what does it look like uh i have a normal like not very like standard nine to five job um but i get pretty tired very easily so often i come home and i'm like I try to make stuff and then I kind of get this like unsatisfied feeling of just feeling like I don't have time to do the thing and then a lot of time the music comes out feeling very agitated mm-hmm. um, currently I think um, this record was actually made quite a while ago right. uh, can't even remember when it was made now but it was like more than a year ago I think almost mainly like I finalized in the meantime but it was finished almost directly after Grounded came out I think Mm. of like the overall thing of it Um, but yeah so that's uh, yeah it's kind of in the evenings after after work uh, or in the weekends when I have the when I don't want to go to the woods or Mm. out and about and that's when I make it. Yeah, it's so interesting you just said, you know, the fact that this music is coming out more agitated and it kind of takes me back to what you said originally about not having a, a plan. Mm-hmm. I I can imagine that potentially if you did have a plan and then 
you know, his music was coming out in this very pronounced, agitated way. Uh, mm. that unless that adhered, you were like, you went in being like, oh, I'm going to make something agitated. That may be something that I guess you, you may not pursue. So I wondered if not having a plan, does that kind of liberate you to reflect yourself back at yourself and be like, okay, this is the kind of music that I'm going to make in this moment. So I'm going to just lean hard into, you know, my circumstances and what my brain is driving to make at this moment. Mm. Yeah, I guess a lot of people have the process of like, I feel this way, so now I'm going to make something that kind of like amplifies that or like doing the opposite. Well, I think I find out how I'm feeling a bit through the music that I'm accidentally made. Mm. So it, it kind of informs me rather than the other way around. Um, because yeah, like I don't, I don't really know how I'm feeling most of the time. So it's good to be told by the sound that comes <laughs> out. <laughs> so you're like, oh right, maybe, maybe I need to <laughs> trying to trying to chill out a bit. Um, yeah, so I think that's kind of the the way that's gone about. Mm-hmm. And in terms of equipment that you use and software, I mean, do you have anything at the moment that is particularly exciting to you or something I don't know like a plug-in a bit of hardware that is really getting you buzzed at the moment I don't know whether or not that way of thinking kind of aligns with your experience of making music but yeah does anything protrude when I ask that um so I'm quite lazy and have been like <laughs> I, don't, I never really uh, get any new plugins or software. <laughs> I've been using a lot of the same samples for like many years now. Like occasionally, once every six months, I'll find a new sample pack maybe that I download and then manipulate and I get really excited. But that happens so rarely <laughs> that ah, <laughs> it, right. it feels... Yeah. Um, I, I did get actually as a media keyboard for the first time in... Uh, I used to have a really bad one that broke like five years ago almost. Uh, so I bought a MIDI keyboard for the first time. So before that, I've been using the keyboard on the actual computer to play everything. Wow. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I finally have a MIDI keyboard. So the velocity, I don't actually have to edit the velocity in hindsight. So that's cool. Yeah. I can just press the keys and it feels the the weight of the key. So that's pretty pretty useful. <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um and one final question I wanted to ask about your music is you know, I saw you and you play live as well. I saw you uh, supported Tirza recently at the Color Factory. Um how do you tend to approach the live scenario? Are you transposing material from your records and playing it live i mean do you think of it as a completely different domain like what's your relationship like with live performance um i've struggled with that for quite some time because i used to try to play via my laptop and i didn't really find a good way to do that and then i started using cdjs and then i felt really felt it felt really boring to just play tracks on cj so then i started just like really like slowing stuff down a lot especially in venues that allow for a lot of uh, there's a lot of natural like reverb and uh, like good speakers as well obviously it makes a big difference mm. um so i think i just started like layering and working with kind of bits of music as in like from different 
from all my different releases uh, and music that I made, um, kind of overlapping that uh, in a live setting. And it's getting slower and slower. So it started off being like kind of the the standard BPM of the music that I made, but now I'm like down in the like 12 BPM range. <laughs> wow. Sometimes. Uh, so it's kind of just letting every single sound, like sound kind of like ring, ring out entirely, um, which I find a lot like more fun to do but it obviously means that the live set is quite different from the music itself a lot of the time but then it goes back up in tempo sometimes but like a lot of it's very very low bpms kind of working in that range that's awesome how did that gig go at the color factory that was actually a dj gig um oh right Right. yeah (laughs) yeah so i I didn't really know what to do because i've never really dj'd before uh someone playing live before so but it went well awesome well yeah julia the record is really really good i um listened to it for the first time uh on the underground in london and mm. then wanted to immediately ask about could you hear anything <laughs> i have some good earbuds that's a very good question like uh probably was an ideal <laughs> i've listened to it in other places since it's very different okay. it but no, I, I immediately was like, okay, I um, really would love to speak to Julia about this album cool. and the, get you on the podcast because it is really, really good. I'll put a link in the show notes so people can check it out. Um, yeah, let's talk about your three important albums now. So one question I like to ask at this point is how you thought about the word important when picking your list of three records. So was there a way that you understood important in order to come up with the list that you did? Yeah, I was kind of struggling first to, I mean, I'm sure everyone says this, but struggling to narrow it down a lot. And Mm. first I just started thinking of records I really, really, really like in general, and then trying to like think of more of a, yeah, about how to define it. Um, So I think I just picked albums that like at some point have just really shifted something in how I view uh music especially like the music i make um so once i have like kind of once i've started listening to them they've like just changed a way of approaching uh music in both listening and making at some in some way Mm. um so that's kind of how i how i defined it Uh, yeah so let's go for your first important album so i don't know if you had a preferential order but yeah which one do you want to talk about first uh oh i ha- haven't really thought about that actually um <laughs> if you want to pick one you oh can. sure i mean they're in an order on my sheet which is totally arbitrary okay perfect so let's, let's go, go with that. that yeah so you may need to um assist with the pronunciation of this one i don't know if you knew better but esbjorn svensson trio yeah and the record is called Leocasite? Are we saying that? What do you reckon? I think so. I'm actually not sure myself. I'm not going to lie. Cool. Um, yeah, so that one uh, is actually by my uncle. Um, he's in that, was in that band. Um, so that's mainly why it was like, oh. it's, it's, it's one that's like really close to my heart in general. Um, it's one of the like first kind of very like experimental and kind of dark records so before it's mainly like just straight jazz and then that came along um 
so yeah that's it was just one of because I came I heard it very early because related yeah <laughs> so it's, it's been in my like my I probably listened to like a lot of pop music or stuff like that or like emo music back then but this was kind of one of the first ones that I listened to that was very um very kind of like it was changed the way that I thought that you can make how you can make a record and record yeah tell me a bit about that what what was it about this record that kind of changed the way you thought about those concepts um yeah so it's like it's got a very like clear kind of what i really like in a record is the kind of dynamic range um in general like for me a good record it normally has a lot of ups and downs and like very changing throughout like changes a lot throughout the course of the record and uh this one I just feel like it has a very clear kind of it got it goes up it's got a couple of like jazz it's very like atmospheric mm. and then it's got some straight jazz uh track piano tracks um and it's just quite like an emotional roller coaster and gets pretty like angry at points and then very calm there's like a track in there that's just silent for a minute or something yeah um, it kind of just gives you that breathing room um, so it's just changing like how I viewed how an album could be laid out it, it, it was just not like a lot of good songs in a, in a row and that's it yeah uh, so and because I came across it so early on that was like, one of my first experiences with that um, so that was kind of a big point in that regard and are there tracks on this that particularly protrude for you um, I'm, oh God, I'm so okay. I'm really bad at remembering <laughs> uh, <laughs> anything uh, in general. <laughs> so, uh, titles and track names, I can never remember. Um, I don't. I'm not sure. I just like like the whole, even the first one, mm. uh, decade. Um, and when I listen to an album, I do, it's very rare I even remember what song is which song because. It's just a flow of music for me, so yeah, uh, to, I can't even remember which title it belongs to what sounds. Um, totally sorry, I'm not able to answer that question. <laughs> I don't think. That's all good, and to be fair, it is a bit of an unfair question on this one because, as you say, there is. I mean, the sequencing is really lovely to the point of seamlessness, and there's a couple of um, kind of sweets, right, that can can surprise mm-hmm. the records where you've got. Um, you know, one consisting of just bring up the track list now. The two like premonition pieces that um, mm. I got in the version that I heard, and then the the Ocasite set, as you say, with that silent piece. And yeah, it's a really striking set of music. You say it gets very angry at points. I mean, it's, it sounds like they're. I don't know if you know much about the process, but it sounds like they're pro- doing a lot of funneling the sound of the acoustic instruments so the you know the bass the piano and the drums through various effects there's a few wonderful points where there's like feedback sweeping across the room like do you know much about like the process of making the record of this one okay so, so long ago now I'm, I'm pretty sure this was improvised but don't take my word for that because i really can't remember mm-hmm. um again it's 2008 so yeah, yeah <laughs> quite a long time ago um 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to say it's improvised if any of them listen to this and hear it and don't take my word for it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's what I think yeah. I remember, but maybe not. And uh, is it one you still listen to now? I do. I tend to come back to it in very specific like t- when I'm in a very specific mood um, so but yeah it, it can be like years in between listening to it and then sometimes I listen to it a lot and normally on like long walks I would I'll listen to it quite often still you mentioned before you listened to this record you were listening to was it emo you said um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was probably the most uh, avant-garde music I was listening to back in t- t- 2008. As yeah. I was like 13, maybe. Yeah, totally fair. <laughs> so, uh-huh. yeah. so how did this, if it did at all, how did this affect your listening coming into this record or records, you know, like this around the similar time? Did it have an impact on the music you were listening to after that point, did you start to seek out different music? Yeah, I think I got more of an interest in because before that it was just I was like jazz. I was like, okay, it's nice in the background, you know. I didn't really think that it was. Um, it was nothing that I listened to actively. Um, I think with this record, like, yeah, I kind of started seeking out more I, like instrumental music in general, just the uh, stuff that don't didn't have vocals on it. Mm. it was even even that was kind of a big big change in just how I, how I view music that is like, oh you don't have to sing it's fine okay can, a, a piece can be like the instruments can do its own thing yeah. um so i think just that in general i can't remember what else i started listening to after that really um but definitely i think started that kind of understanding of uh, that music can be more than what's on the radio mm. as well which is quite important if you end up if you want to end up making music yeah <laughs> that, sure. that is uh, not not pop music and were you making music at this point and uh, no i think i just started learning a bit of guitar probably or playing a tiny bit of piano but not very well and still not very well to this day so <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah i mean i wrote a couple of songs when i was a kid uh as in sang them and wrote them down in a little notebook but they were not not saying much i don't think and this is your uncle so um were there many players in your family generally like was it particularly musical family um not really then i think my my granddad listened to a lot of jazz which is why my uncle got really into it but yeah a lot of my cousins now are making music in their own forms um like playing drums or guitar singing and stuff Julia, let's go to your second important record now. So the second one I got on the list mm-hmm. is Akira 
Yamaoka, Silent Hill 2 soundtrack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 2001. Yeah. So, yeah, give me a little introduction as to why this one's important to you. Um, this one, I mean, so I've never played a game because I'm too scared of playing uh, <laughs> horror games. So uh, it's kind of funny that I just got really into this uh, soundtrack without actually having the context of what it's made for. Um, I know what the game is, like Silent Hill, and I've seen, I've sat behind people, my boyfriend playing it a bit, uh, and kind of covered my eyes as I was watching it, so kind of defeating the point of <laughs> watching someone play a game. And when you're not looking, um, but it's just something about the soundtrack that's kind of really stuck with me. Um, I'm also really interested in music for games in general because it's made in such a different way. It's like a lot of stuff is allowed to, it's meant to be looped as well. Um, mm. So listening to it as an album is quite interesting when a lot of them are very short pieces that are meant to just kind of repeat themselves over and over and over again. Um, but when you listen to them very shortly, it's kind of giving a very different atmosphere. Yeah, like I started listening to it. Like I was told that like some stuff from that album sounded a bit like it was from Silent Hill, and and I was like, oh okay, let me listen to it again. And I was like, oh yeah, it does. But it was cool. Like I don't know. I just uh, really like the atmosphere of it, even though it's something that kind of scares me. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm just really interested in like game, like game music. I don't really play video games myself that much. I played a bit of PlayStation 2 games during lockdown, but um, more interested in the idea of it than actually playing. I think. Hmm. I'm so glad you said that you were too scared to play it because <laughs> that was my experience. Like I read a lot of PlayStation magazines when I was younger and this game was always featured in them and the screenshots always looked really horrible <laughs> but <laughs> it had this um kind of mythos about it because you know it was clearly like a super popular game i was so intrigued to see you having picked the soundtrack um mm. so you mentioned I, I watched a couple of like playthroughs um not all of them but little bits just to get a sense of where the music fits in mm. it's interesting because a lot of the game is seems to be like pretty silent or you know the music is absent for large swathes of it so to hear this mm. is an unbroken soundtrack is really interesting um i wondered if hearing it kind of in situ within the game itself kind of changed your relationship with it or changed how you thought about the music well, it hasn't because I've not played it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, I don't... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I actually don't really know when it, the music is played. I've just kind of assumed that it's more in the background. Maybe it's very selected points during the game mm. that it's played. Um, I should have looked this up before. But, yeah, it's kind of... It's funny to just really like one aspect of something and have no idea about the rest because you're too scared. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. feels a bit like a cop out. I feel like I should 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 like bite the bullet and pl actually play it, but I don't know. It's <laughs> Halloween season; it's not the right time. <laughs> <laughs> Too scary. Yeah, I thought that, and yeah, bottled it before this interview. So yeah, all good. Um, <laughs> I mean, is there are any particular pieces on this soundtrack, or there's a lot of different modes, right? It goes through some kind of uh, almost like mm -hmm. country tinged. 
kind of rock music there's some more atmospheric pieces like mm-hmm. what are the areas of this soundtrack that you gravitate towards most i think? just i think i just like the again like i really like when a album is it's just like keeps surprising you really mm. uh which is mainly what i like about it so much that it's got yeah like it said like it got some country bits uh rock it's got some like really like nice piano pieces um some really atmospheric stuff it's got the like early 2000s kind of drum beats um Mm. it's yeah it's I just like it as a whole of it and then doing different parts I, when I come back to it like I always like something different I mean it's got how many tracks on it as well it's um, oh, yeah, so many. Tw- like 30 I think yeah so 30 pieces so um yeah I think I just like them together all of it as like I like being surprised by what's coming next um which kind of they just kind of amplify each other like the, when it's like a yeah acoustic like a guitar piece after a really like processed uh, ambient uh, one it's like quite nice i know you were into uh, you mentioned like time splitters 2 as well as being another one mm-hmm. for you in that interview i read so what is it about that one as well that really jumped out for you yeah, I, that also that's a game that I've actually played and surprisingly f- finished because it was incredibly difficult because it was made so early on that the controls are really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like these puzzles where you're like, I I have no idea how people completed this before the internet because if I didn't Google it, <laughs> it's like it's, there was one where you had to follow this one uh, scene where you had to follow this person through. Uh, Neo Tokyo and uh, it's just impossible to figure out how to do it without getting spotted or it, it literally <laughs> took so long and I had to google it and I was like this is not all the old games are so hard because <laughs> you can't see anything because they draw distance really bad and things. Yeah. Um, yeah that soundtrack also the first level I had to play maybe like 30 times or more probably so I had to sit with that music for a very long time and I was like oh I I would hate this game already if it wasn't for the soundtrack being so good Mm. so I kind of enjoyed just hearing that like same like three three minute uh, loop over and over and over again for like keep keep failing like frustratingly all the time Um, so I think maybe Silent Hill would be less scary now that I've listened to the soundtrack so much that... Yeah. I mean, if you say it's quiet for a lot of the time, then actually maybe not. That's maybe <laughs> not going to help. I thought that would help me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, because I heard the the main theme come in on Silent Hill, like the first track, and I was like, oh, maybe this isn't so bad, because mm-hmm. it's totally different to what I expected based on my like the visual um, manifestation of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, it's so interesting. You mentioned about this, you know, this this use of repetition within um, gaming and gaming soundtracks, where it has to be of a sort which is somehow palatable over long experiences. You mentioned the, you know, these albums had an impact on how you relate to gen- like creating your own music. I, I wondered whether, um, I mean, what did that look like with the Silent Hill record? And I wondered whether or not the kind of that repetition aspect was was any part of it as well um yeah maybe i think just like the kind of uh, there's so many different pieces of music within the same 
uh, within the same like project that mm. I think that part is like really inspiring in the way that like you're allowed to make music that doesn't sound at all like the other projects but if the feeling is the same and if the emotions are if if you can connect it like emotionally rather than uh, by genre like mm. I think that that's like a very important thing for me um, the two pieces of music can be seemingly so different but if there's something that ties them together in terms of mood or uh, feeling that's like really changes the way I've viewed uh, music which just kind of helped and uh, do as well that is like the the the, so, the music on this record is so different like you said like so many different types of uh genres and music and everything and the length and i know it's obviously made for a specific purpose but it's still useful to think of in, um, in terms of just making a record in general i think and you mentioned you got into playing playstation 2 games during lockdown um had you been much of a gamer before that and how did you come to get on the playstation 2 um i think did i have did mean did i buy one i can't remember now maybe me and my housemate bought one and then one of the other housemates just brought over loads of games from home at some point so we had like 30 different games um i got really into playing dynasty warriors which is uh-huh, like kind of yeah. kind of like a it was like Dynasty Warriors five, so it's like kind of button mashing game, um, some tactic, but a lot of it was just pressing buttons as mm-hmm. fast as you can. Um, very good for relieving any stress you feel. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I played some when I was younger. I think mainly my brother played a lot more, and there was a lot of like FIFA and stuff like that. But I never really got into the sports sport games in that way. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think during lockdown, it was, it was just there and it was it didn't have anything else to do. Um, so why not? Right, yeah. Um, and they're cheap as well. So every time you wanted to get a game, it was just like, oh, two pounds, great. So very, very good price range if you, if you want to play a new game compared to the new ones now, they're like 50, 60 pounds. we have one more important record so it is Panko Moonshine which is a label and it's the compilation Vector Space released in Mm -hmm. 2020 so yeah give me a little introduction as to why this one's important to you this was kind of funny I didn't really know if I should pick it or not Um, mainly because it's a compilation Um, it's quite new as well Um, Mm. and I I just keep coming back to it. I think it's mainly like the label in general that I wanted to pick more than like maybe the, the release itself. Um, it's just like this very smooth, atmospheric, but very complex drum and bass, basically. And I think every time I listen to it, like I feel like my 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 heart like opens up in a weird way. I don't know how to describe it. Um, <laughs> 
is I got the I think it's for me it's got like the perfect low end and the perfect top end and it's just like a very it just feels very like open and spacious that uh, every production on on this label in general so it's kind of I don't know really know why I picked it it's just every time I come back to it it's just kind of I get surprised by different tracks and especially if you listen to on like really loudly or on good headphones Mm -hmm. um, I keep hearing new details and it's just given it's like the the patience and clarity of the sound that mm. I just kind of always come back to when I like trying to when I feel a bit stuck almost. Um, it's more about the like the the production value of it is quite quite like what I would like to reach to some extent. I don't know. Mm. Do you remember how you discovered it? Um, I don't know. I was like so it's run by this guy called Nick. TVG I think mm-hmm. um, and I think I was just listening to some of their music um, and then just found labels through that during lockdown I guess it was also during lockdown because it was yeah I couldn't go clubbing which I don't do now either that you actually can so but it was like this nostalgia for being in the club and hearing like loud dance music which uh, now I don't do anyway, so uh, there was kind of this uh, temporary <laughs> desire for something that now I actually got a chance to do. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, um, so, but yeah, during that like, that time, I think that's when I found it, and it was just because it is very listenable at home as well. You don't have to. It's yeah, it's, it's I, I I like listen to dance music at home more than I enjoy being in a club. To be honest, at this point. Yeah, I'm with you there. What do you think changed for you in terms of your relationship to clubbing i don't really know i think i was getting a bit tired of it before lockdown happened and then lockdown happened and i was like oh i miss going to the club and then i was allowed to go to the club and i tried and i i don't know i think i just don't feel the same as it used to um i can still really enjoy the music and everything but i think there's something about like being I don't like being up <laughs> I, just like, it, I, it, I, feel, I feel like I like I'm now every time I need to go to a club I'm like okay I have to go there I have to be there and then I have to go home and uh, so I'm just going, going lazy with it but yeah it doesn't it just doesn't feel the same in there but I think I don't know if that's I think that's probably something in me that changed rather than I'm sure I, I, the cl- club clubs have obviously changed a lot in general as well and the relationship many people have to clubbing has changed but I think now it just it doesn't do it for me anymore and I still like dancing and I still like the music but it's just the being in that space that it's like I don't know what it is I don't don't crave it I mean you mentioned that uh, clubs have changed Uh, I'm someone who's kind of been away from clubbing for a while mainly because of parenthood but Mm -hmm. what has changed um do you think in terms of yeah what has changed about clubbing do you think at least from your perspective uh i feel so unqualified to talk about it because i I kind of avoid it and i feel like i find it really hard to distance the way i feel about something and how that what the actual reality is in Mm. terms of that um because I know that there's so many club nights, especially in London now. There's 
this as much as ever really the club a lot of clubs have closed down obviously there's like a more limited amount like you can't there's less less clubs i think it's a very precarious situation for a lot of clubs mm. um it just feels like not stricter but i don't know maybe i'm just older <laughs> aged aged too much during lockdown mentally um I don't know. I I can't put my finger on it really. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wondered if it was anything kind of adjacent to what seemed to happen to festivals in the advent of lockdown, where um, there seemed to be a difficulty in knowing how to do those mass events. Again, from an organisational standpoint, there were lots of events mm. that seemed to really struggle, and fundamental things like you know making water available or mm. um you know uh, t- up to like more severe stuff you know like crowd control um actually water is also very severe obviously but those mm-hmm. kind of fundamental things you know you want taken care of at an event seem to suddenly feel very volatile so i wonder whether or not like that's the same from a clubbing standpoint just that fundamental fact of organizing lots of people in a confined space people just yeah, kind of got out of practice you know yeah, I think also like there's a lot more like struggling with money in terms of, mm. I guess ven- venues are having a horrible time as well, um, and uh, I don't know. It's yeah. I wish I had more to say on it, but I think it's, I, I have a hard time going past my own personal feeling around it mm. in order to make like a judgment on the actual state of the. A lot, a lot of people have very strong opinions on it, but. I think feeling very unqualified to talk about the clubs at the at the current moment. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, you mentioned you've moved to listen to or you, you enjoy listening to dance music at home. Um, mm, not as much as I used to either. I think. Oh really? Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's not. Uh, yeah, I don't listen to club music as much as I used to at all. And do you think that's linked as well? Probably, yeah. I I would look forward to listening to club music in the club, but now because I don't listen to it as much at all, it's maybe that's also why I don't want to go because I'm not I don't I, I don't get hyped up sitting at home and being think, listening to club music, so mm. uh, it's hard to yeah you don't build that desire to go and feel that music, even though it's something I really appreciate and I really enjoy that feeling, but I think I don't know maybe it's just a temporary thing, who knows. We'll find out. Yeah. Um, with this compilation, I mean, is there something about this kind of music? I mean, you've mentioned the kind of some of the production attributes of this record. I mean, it's a wonderful sounding record. Um, sounds amazing. Like, sounded incredible in my car. It sounds, as you say, really good over headphones. Um, so is it the kind of production and the fact that there's so much to enjoy over those kind of more private circumstances which means that this is still interesting to you outside of a club context is that the thing that kind of means that something like this is still palatable uh, at home yeah i think so like there there's so much there's such a dynamic range of this music i think uh and like every time i listen to it it's kind of it's kind of like taking a deep breath which is something something I can sometimes feel in the club but with this music it's because it's got enough it's like smooth enough 
and got enough depth in it mm. that I don't get bored of it. And every time I listen to it, I can kind of find something something new or like I can obsess over a, a different details. Sometimes it's the atmospherics or sometimes it's just a snare or uh, yeah, like I just find different parts of the tracks that kind of just feels very liberating to listen to. And mm. I think like that dance music can really have that feeling at home as well or in the club as well obviously it would be sound pretty good there as well um but this record's also some of the tracks are very intense and kind of full-on but some of them are have a lot of downtime um like there's a track that's like not really long like nine minutes and um yeah a lot of them kind of just allow allow you kind of breathe and like really enjoy the heavy sounds and the the quiet movements. Um, sometimes it's more like dubstepy almost, and it's drum and bassy, I think. Mm. Um, and yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think it's just like a way of enjoying dance music, like it making ma- dance music that's made not only for its functionality. It's kind of it feels like it is its own piece of music. Mm. Um, that in same way that like any other other genre can be, that you just listen to. Basically, yeah. I think maybe that's that's why it kind of sticks with me as well. Yeah, the fact you mentioned about taking a breath, and yes, and the nine minute track as well is very interesting because it does feel like that. I notice this a lot with this album. It feels like it's really appraising specific samples. And it feels like mm. obviously quite fundamental to like a lot of drum and bass and drum funk, mm. uh, where. They just love the sound of, as you say, like one snare. So you hear that, you know, yeah. probably a good 150 <laughs> times over the course of nine minutes. But, exactly. But it, it can totally stand that kind of laboured repetition because it's such a, you know, there's something about it that they've latched onto, you know. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I have I have a thing for this like, very specific snare sound. It sounds very open-ended. Um, I don't know the t- actual terminology of it. Um, but it's just this one like snare that just feels like it opens up and it just mm. I don't know every time I have a playlist that's called like the perfect snare so <gasps> with really? this music <laughs> just mu- every time I listen to something and it's just got like that exact snare sound I really like just put it in there um, so yeah I, I like a good snare <laughs> <laughs> do you spend a lot in your music do you spend a lot of time like fine tuning the stuff that falls into that kind of snare region uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I actually do. Maybe I need to get get working on that snare sound. <laughs> I think I think it's because I said like I don't. I kind of just want to get everything out as quickly as possible, so that the mm. being like really patient with the sound. It just like if I'm like okay, I need to make a snare that would feel too explicit. Like I wouldn't. Uh, maybe I just need to get over myself and just do it. Um, <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, it's red. I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna do this. Now I need to really work on this. Like, mm. A lot of the sounds that I kind of make or manipulate, it's also yeah, very like just in the flow of the the process. Um, so to sit down and actually learn to do a snare, it would require me to actually look into how to do it. Uh, yeah, so, fair, fair. that's yeah. But no, maybe that's something I actually you know ever you need to learn new things so maybe that's that would be a good good thing to 
so out. <laughs> My music will just be full of snares all of a sudden. I saw you mention actually with drum and bass, like you listen to a lot of older drum and bass as well. Do you, do you go quite a way back with drum and bass? Like when did that start to be a feature of your life? And not really at all. I think I started enjoying drum and bass like not very long ago at all. It's funny because it's not like I wouldn't go to like a drum and bass night. It's like kind of I just like like jungle drum bass at home, mm-hmm. kind of, which is kind of weird, I guess, because that's not what it's for. Like I, I basically didn't listen to any dance music before I moved to London. So right uh, the first time i heard i went to some like really bad techno night and i was like this is amazing <laughs> this is the best this is the coolest thing i've ever heard and then and now i don't even want to know <laughs> it was just a kick drum was like, you just play me a four on the floor kick drum i'll be like wow this is crazy this is like nothing i've never heard before um yeah i grew up in a place where like, it was a lot of like indie indie in the clubs would play like schlager or indie right. songs. So I never went to the clubs. Or EDM, obviously, because it's Sweden. So <laughs> right. you know, actually, that is dance music, of course. But not other other kind of dance music. Never really heard before. Wow. So, so. it's only when you move over to London, so then that's when, I presume, drum and bass came in as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even that was a lot later, I think. Slow process. I had to start from scratch. Right. So working my way up to the... <laughs> Uh, slightly newer genres. I've got one more question for you and it's about how you listen to music and how you buy music like basically how music comes into your life as a listener so do you have um, preferred formats do you have uh, places you like to go to get your music yeah what does that look like um it really depends on what kind of music I think I have very uh like in order to my my favorite way of just finding a new music it's just clicking through whatever platform I'm using at the time is this if it's like SoundCloud or YouTube or whatever just clicking through like related stuff or if I find something that sometimes I go to Discord Discord not Discord mm-hmm. go to Discord and uh kind of yeah I just find like I like, I like the association game where you just find you just dig deeper and deeper and deeper mm-hmm. in, and eventually stumble on stuff uh, obviously I don't buy any records I have some CDs because I have a really bad CD player uh, that sounds like shit <laughs> but it's, I still like the I still like I would like to have a good stereo one day where you can actually play CDs because I, I can't afford to buy vinyl, but I can afford to buy CDs every now and then, uh-huh. especially especially old ones. So, I think CDs is a more fun format because I don't know. I, I like the little booklet, basically that mm. it comes with. Otherwise, yeah, buy buy stuff on Bandcamp, but that's obviously mainly like newer music. It's hot easier to find uh, on Bandcamp. But yeah, CD CDs are great. 
CDs are great. Yeah, I'm always yeah. really glad to hear people say that because I have a real soft spot for CDs. Yeah. I get a bad rap, but people I exactly. think are starting to come around. Yeah, it's, it's cheaper. It's a lot easier to keep in your house. And right. Yeah, they're, they're nice, to, nice to look at as well. Yeah. Maybe something about the like the early like Y2K nostalgia <laughs> yeah, uh, that we so. that we all are having now. So we we kind of come back around to come back around to that pit time period now. So we uh, <laughs> sort of see this. See this are good. That and the vinyl pressing fiasco, yeah. I think, is it's the perfect storm, isn't it, for CDs to have Absolutely. their moment again? Yeah. Absolutely, you can get those done anywhere. Yeah. I got, I got a, a CD burner that I tried to. I was like, maybe I should put some mind music on it and do something, but I, I can't get it to work. So I guess that's why when you when you buy sheep, buy twice. So <laughs> or whatever they say. <laughs> so, but it doesn't. It just doesn't work. <laughs> so yeah, I was gonna ask if you like CD compilations a thing for you. Did you burn off your own CD comps back in the day? Yeah, when I was a kid, I, f- I found this CD that has the track listing on it, and every other song on the compilation, compilation oh, that sounds so professional, I don't think <laughs> you could call it that. Uh, every other song was a Hogwarts song, and then he- every other song was Rammstein. So <laughs> oh, wow! That was pr- apparently oh, my music taste playlist. back then. P- pretty good, I guess. Uh, <laughs> good variation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. CD compilations. I think just um, because that was the first opportunity as younger people to curate your own track lists. I think people took a while to finesse the sense of how to do that right. I had some uh, compilations that were similar where it was like three quarters just one band, which felt to really nullify mm-hmm. the point. <laughs> <laughs> so just buy the CD. Yeah, yeah, the- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but oh, then you didn't feel like you'd made it. You, you needed to have the the creative output that's it i needed to biro every track name myself yeah exactly nice well julia thank you so much it's been wicked to talk through i mean first your record which i'll repeat is awesome and this selection of three records was super interesting it's very eclectic and i had loads of fun listening to these and hearing your reasons for why they connect with you so thank you so much thank you so much for having me And to everyone listening, see you next time. Goodbye.